Spags, I went to bed last night before everything transpired at the Oscars, but apparently it was quite an eventful evening. If you're to judge it solely based on meme content, the Will Smith, Chris Rock situation on the Oscars might be the most important moment of our generation. We're going to talk about that and, of course, tie it back to the NFL. We're also going to catch up on some NFL news. Tom Brady to Miami rumors denied by Miami Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel. So we'll dig into that. And we're also going to shop around for some division winners over on DraftKings Sportsbook to see which guys are popping up the most or which teams, rather, are the ones that are gaining the most from this offseason. So a lot for you to catch up on. Let's hit this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I am Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. And Pete, do I have to come up and smack you in the face to get the show going right? Yeah, it was so funny because I woke up this morning and I, I have my little morning routine now. I'm trying to get into some better habits, not around my phone as much. And Lauren runs down and she's like, did you see what happened on the Oscars? Last? I was like, no, I haven't because I haven't been around my phone all evening. It shows me the video. And uh, yeah, it was. I So here's what I want to talk about with you, because it does seem like the debate now is raging on of there are still some people who think this was fake. Um, obviously people, and I, I assume the consensus is it's real, but before I give kind of my take on why it's so confusing, what, do you have any seeds of doubt that it, it could be a staged bit? So at first Blanche, I did think it was going, it was fake. And I was having to see in the, the main clip and I was up a little bit, a uh, little bit later than Pete last night, paying attention, but then actually tried to catch up on some sleep early. So I only saw uh, the initial slap, didn't see the Will Smith speech. I think when you see the Will Smith best actor speech, it's hard to deny that the guy is just going through it a little bit now. Um, it does seem more on the real side to me, but initially my instincts were that, you know, the ratings have been sagging. There've been articles and lots of podcasts. Uh, I know the ringer has been covering a lot with their movie podcast about how the Oscars are just so irrelevant right now and how can you fix it how can you get that genie back in the bottle that it did seem entirely possible for it to be fake just to kind of get those headlines and it's a slap you slap a guy in the neck we know that from pro wrestling it's not something that's going to tune somebody up too bad so um, a lot of pro wrestling parts I guess going into that one Pete but I would say for me initially thought it was fake and then the more that I dug into it the more I'm like oh this is real and actually might be like kind of sad yeah, I mean, all, everything from Chris Rock's reaction made me think it was very real. You know, he is a consummate performer, a guy that can roll uh, with figuratively any of the punches there. The, the reason I had a seed of doubt was because to me, I'm guessing Will Smith knew that like a closed fist punch like would not fly as well with the jury of his peers. And, you know, everyone just kind of let him stay in the building and stuff. So the slap in that regard, I guess, made sense. But to me the most likely real thing would have been a shove. You know what I mean? There's something vaudevillian and silly about a slap, which is, it's like when guys get in a scuffle, they either go for the shove, they go for the legs to tackle someone, or they just cold clock someone with a closed fist. And so that's the only reason I'm like, the slap, like that doesn't actually demonstrate to me just like pure rage. Like if it's me, I think I'm going for the straight push. I'm just pushing little Chris Rock right over there. So there's something about the slap that just felt a little off to me. Well, I mean, yeah, the slap is like historically when you're challenging a guy to a duel. It's like when you slap somebody in the face or you take your glove off and give them that glove slap. So I'm with you on that. Like that was the one thing that seemed a little bit odd to me. The part that makes it seem real is like, and this is, I think, the part where I feel, you know, we we talk a good amount about mental health in the show. It's certainly an important part to consider with our NFL players, with whatever parts of life you are. You know, if you're going through something tough, mental health, very important to tabs on and just be a you know part of your regular process with will smith like he has been getting shit on on social media for years because i guess he and jada pinkett smith are in an open relationship or they had their rocky patch whatever the case may be there's rumors about will smith's sexuality over the course of years i think like even I think one of my friends sent the text, you know, talking about this. And was like, oh, that cuck Will Smith. It's like that's just how he's been referred to for the last like five years of his life. And for him, he was a minus money favorite to win best actor. You have that going on and you know that you're getting piled on on social media. I'm sure he's got, you know, his ears up a little bit more than the average person. It's just one of those spots where it's like this man got pushed too far. And it's, you know, it's always a thing that breaks somebody that's like not the obvious one. It's not somebody really being mean to Jada Pinkett Smith. Like I'm sure that Chris Rock didn't know about whatever alopecia condition or 
all that. He's just making a joke about a 25-year-old movie. And it's like, that's what set Will Smith over the edge. It was like, this is enough. I'm tired of being disrespected on my coronation night, the, you know, the encapsulation of all the work he's put in as an actor. And it's just tough because like that is certainly going to mar it. And um, and I think it wouldn't surprise me if you saw Will Smith like get help or something for this one because like that was a real bare emotional display, I think, from a guy who was literally pushed to the edge of the cliff. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's fascinating just from a perspective of how Will Smith views himself and knowing that he could essentially get away with that to where you don't even have to think about all the interactions in our lives where we get upset or we get frustrated. We just have to silently stew about it because we know there would be massive ramifications uh, and consequences if we were to act on our rage. And he's here's he in the biggest stage imaginable and just no qualms about publicly assaulting someone uh if anything it was like a heat check moment for will smith and he kind of passed it right like no one escorted him out he was just able to stay people were making excuses with it his publicist you know huddled with him on how to apparently alter his acceptance speech and then he was trying to weave it in as some kind of justification with the king richard stuff which was really bizarre i think he's just a weird dude in general and uh, probably one of those moments where it's like okay will smith you you maybe are a little too big for your britches if you think you can get away with something like this and we've seen that with like the Tom Cruises before where like you just get so famous at a certain point you're so insulated from the real world where like you know Will Smith and his kids I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drag any of his other family members at this conversation out of fear that Will Smith will pop into my home in Philadelphia and smack me around tune me up like he did back in his uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air days but I would say you know like as DFSX is saying in the chat like I applaud Chris Rock the most out of anything because I think he knows the guy who was grinding who was coming up during the days of like stand-up comedy back when stand-up comedy would be rough and you'd say some stuff that's like out there in a way where like you just can't get away with now even as a comedian and that sucks i think it's certainly been one of the best uh, places for first amendment practicing and then putting it into really play in a main in a major way but chris rock is like one of these dudes has been doing this for a while and he took that with a plum like he i think he missed one beat where he's doing the next uh, transition to the documentary award they're gonna do next besides that though like he stood there took it didn't escalate it like i think chris rock deserves a lot of credit for this one even if i don't i don't know the reaction is to the chris rock side like i'm assuming he's getting piled on for being mean to jada pinkett or whatever and kind of pushing it to this point but like he stood there and took his beating like a man or whatever that that slap was and and just kept going on with the show and i feel like as a performer like that's the thing you want to see more than anything yeah he did hand it handle it about as perfectly as possible there was m one moment there when i was watching it back where it seemed like he might have slipped did you catch the part where he was like he kind of hesitated he's like i could say or i could like it was mm -hmm. almost like he had some little quip or something to pile on and he was like you know what i am just going to let this sit which i think from a pr move was by far the right move it's like you made the joke maybe you crossed the line but there's if you want to end up on the right side in the court of public opinion it's just handling this with as much grace as you could and i think he he ultimately did that and uh yeah i i can't even imagine the the varying emotions from being physically stunned from getting slapped like that just takes anyone back to realizing you know they're i think they should be thankful that they had chris rock hosting because i think there's some other hosts that would have been like what the fuck or just walked off the stage or not have handled that in a way that the fact that we're discussing it could have been a bit shows how well he handled it because if it would have spiraled out of control i think it would have been even even more clear so yeah i thought he handled it pretty well um and man yeah a tough spot for him for sure what if chris rock were to like break down in tears and run off the stage like oh like that would have been an incredibly viral moment, even more so. Um, Silas pointing out Chris Rock didn't write the joke as writers did. Tough when your yeah. writers throw you under the bus, as I'm sure happens to us all the time on this show as well. But I do feel like that, that's the only thing that could have been funnier is if Chris Rock like completely like pansied his way off the stage and ran away. Besides that, though, like that in terms of pure entertainment value, as well as like a man standing his ground, I think Chris Rock did probably the best he could. But Pete, let's transition over to the NFL part of this because I know people yeah. like, talk about everything on this show. This is, the, this is the water cooler moment of all water cooler moments. Like I have not seen a thing pop up in my social media timeline quite like this one. But we have to tie it back to the NFL, Pete. I know you had some ideas. I have one that I think ties to our NFL news we're going to talk about in a second. But which NFL guys do you think would be the most likely to reenact this one? Just that bubbled up rage that comes out in a beautiful explosion of a viral moment. Like it's not likely to happen. But if it were to happen, who would it happen to? Yeah, and it's interesting too because there's kind of 
you know, there's the on the field stuff, right? Um, where we know that these guys can lose their temper, just like within the field of play, like they're, you know, smashing themselves into each other. So it's natural that tempers could flare. But I was almost thinking of this on where could this happen outside of the football field where just two guys encountered each other. And because there was so much back history there uh, that this could lead to it. And I mean, the one candidate to me who jumped out as someone as a hothead who I could see flying off the handle would be Michael Thomas. We've seen him stew. We've seen him say lots of things publicly. Could you not see, you know, Michael Thomas, you know, go by Sean Payton in a locker room or maybe someone from the front office there and get into uh, heated words. And uh, I don't know if he'd go full on slap mode, but I could see a shove from Michael Thomas to Sean Payton. Michael Thomas is big enough where I imagine him more like lifting the person up by their collar <laughs> yeah. and pulling them up against the wall. But I give you that he does have that hothead one. I'll go with one that I don't think people would think of very much at all. But how about this? Imagine this scenario. NFL honors. We do have a, a segment where Bill Belichick decides he's going to give a speech up top. And then somehow he makes some dig at Tom Brady and how the, the Patriots success is all him. And Tom Brady was just a cog in that. I feel like that's a spot where Tom Brady would walk up and smack him in the face. Like that is a man who I think has similar, you know, insular, isolated from the world kind of ways. Been doing this for long enough that you just don't hang out with real people enough to know that like, yeah, sometimes it's not the right move to smack somebody in the face. Like that's where to me, there you go. DFS Texas saying Belichick and Brady. I think that's the one where it's like, there's a lot of pent up things. We know it kind of ended with some acrimony, even though most of them, for the most part, they said the right things. Tom Brady didn't mention the Patriots at first in a social media post, which made a lot of new England people angry. I feel like that's the one where um, even the fact that Brady's being rumored to go to an AFC East team, like there's enough hostility there where it's like, I think he could give Bill Belichick one and Bill Belichick would take it in the chops and just stare him down or maybe even throw blows. Like I, if I want to see anybody get slapped, it's Bill Belichick just to see what the fallout from that would be. It's funny because I was thinking through this one too and how it could potentially go down. And I came to the conclusion that I can't envision Belichick um, starting a physical thing, but I could see him doing something that spurred Brady into flying off the handle. And, you know, say it was something like they were playing each other. Maybe we have a Patriots Bucks game and there's a cheap shot on Brady. And then after the game, Belichick goes over to maybe try to smooth things over with Brady, says hi to him after the game. They exchange words. Brady's not, uh, you know, happy with Belichick's excuse for what happened. And then you get the Brady shove there. But I can't imagine Belichick being the, the physical instigator in a conflict. No, no, certainly not at his age in this point of life. I think he's more likely to have something slip out of the tongue. I'll throw one more in the mix. And this is, I don't know who the other half for the slappy would be. This just feels like a Tyree Kill thing. Like him just walking up and smacking somebody because they say something, maybe a joke about his previous scrapes of the law. But I think that's one that's me. Just I was like trying to figure out who it would be because like he's, he likes Mahomes. Like they have a good relationship. Hard to sort of say. There's that kind of acrimony like a Belichick and Brady has or even a Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers has had. But I feel like Tyree Kill, just in terms of wild card potential, a guy who could have maybe a weird time I'm in Miami and then NFL honors. I, I'm just thinking about NFL honors as the Oscars, which I think is probably the, the best praise anybody's ever given out to the NFL honors ceremony. But I feel like Tyree kill is just the kind of guy that at some point in life, it will not shock me if he has a physical altercation in public once again, just because he's been, been tucking that one away for too long. At a certain point, Pete, you got to feed the beast. <laughs> it's within Tyree. Yeah. Kill is bad. Choice. I was trying to swerve from those. Uh, someone mentioned <laughs> Camara in the chat, the people that actually have, you know, on the record, Joe uh, Mixon being brought assault. up by DJ local. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was, uh, I was leaving the low hanging fruit <laughs> to you guys. Another uh, more recent and maybe topical one in the news. Uh, Ronald Jones escapes, you know, Bruce Arians grip <laughs> in Tampa Bay. Uh, of course, Bruce Arians, uh, not a fan of Ronald Jones, whether it was the boneheaded mistakes or whatever, but just perpetually in that doghouse. And Rojo's been kind of a calm and cool character, but you got to imagine some resentment building, lingering underneath the surface. So who knows? Maybe you get a little uh, Chiefs-Bucks game there. Ronald Jones has a, has a big touchdown and goes over to the uh to the Tampa Bay bench you know putting his chest in Arian's face you know maybe maybe something a little like that maybe Rojo finally explodes and has had enough well, I know NBC Sports has been getting some quality access lately with the work they've been doing. I feel like Pat Corain maybe being in an event with Bruce Arians might be the more likely <laughs> outcome of that. Just going, why did it take you so long? Why have you wasted years of my career on that front? Either way, though, uh, it seems like unlikely that an NFL is, of course, such a high caliber league of professionals out there who would never do such a thing. I'm sure we'll never get to that point, but definitely one of those moments, Pete. Like, I don't think we could do this show today without talking about Chris Rock and Will Smith just because there are so few things at this point with how diluted media is where it 
completely like saturates every aspect of media. And I feel like this is one of those things where like if you're covering it and you're like a basketball podcast today, like I get it because like you just, just kind of have to hit your notes to get your take out there. Yeah, uh, I know. It, I, I when I logged onto Twitter this morning and I saw uh, every uh, potential iteration of a slap joke had already been made, I was kind of grateful to have uh, slept through everything. But I will say, talking about the NFL beefs, it's still, and I know this isn't like some crazy unique thought, but whenever I see just a classic hockey fight, you know, drop the gloves, go at it it blows my mind that that's still part of the game that they just mm. never have gotten rid of that. Cause you think even in the NBA, in the NFL, the NBA, especially those guys can't even step from the bench onto the court without risking suspension and in hockey. The refs just got to stand by and let these guys, you know, uh, go at it with each other. Can you imagine a version of the NFL where it was like, yeah, just take off your helmets, just square up at the 50 yard line and let these guys just duke it out for like three minutes. That's honestly, though, like, that's what another league should do. Like, we were going to be talking about the USFL. A lot of people are already asking, Pete, for your USFL cash game shell. I'm sure we're going to dig in more on that stuff in the coming weeks here. The XFL as well, you know, the, uh, certainly a league that's done some avant-garde things, especially the initial version where they were doing that scramble for the ball thing that guys kept having rotator cuff injuries, diving to get a football for possession to start the game. But I feel like if you're an alternate league, like, and you want to really make a, you know, a hit going, like, we have bare-knuckle fighting MMA now that people are doing and paying money for, like, like, why not do the football version of that where it's like, yeah, like, let's go lawless. Let's do the vision of it that was like people had in sports media in the early 2000s, late 90s, where all oh, these guys are celebrating. They're getting out of hand. They're a bunch of criminals. Like, fuck it. Just like let them go out there and beat the shit out of each other for real. Like, what is stopping some league out there, Pete, besides, I guess, better sense, concussion protocols, concussion lawsuits, uh, not us running a league? I feel like there's a lot of things perhaps that could be holding them back. It does seem like something the XFL could have done it, where it's almost like you leave your helmets on. Um, let's try to keep some kind of concussion prevention formalities here and then just have them put on boxing gloves it's like the two guys beat they each get their gloves and just give them like 30 seconds of throwing haymakers at each other uh yeah it, i'm guessing that the xfl if anyone would have explored that although i guess you could also say the xfl kind of buttoned up this time around mm -hmm. they were trying to get rid of some of the more uh overt antics but yeah it, it blows my mind that uh hockey and it shows just how powerful like inertia and culture is where i'm sure there's people up in the high up in the nfl or like or nhl that are like this is just what the sport is like if you take this out of the sport it's no longer hockey and so they're like all right i guess we'll just keep allowing this but it's just weird thinking about how hard it would be to integrate that into another sport versus removing it from from hockey Ivan makes a good point. Fan-controlled football. I know, Pete, you have Jack Settlement, one of the team owners of fan-controlled football. My uh, old content buddy, Drew Austin, one of the owners of the same team. We have enough levers here where if you really want to control football as a fan, I feel like letting these guys hitting a button and going, punch that dude in the face <laughs> for being a jerk to you. Like, that's the ultimate fan control is, is these guys really reenacting your own personal vengeance on fellow players on the field. I think if they want to go to the next level and want to really be an NFT that, that we can all place our bets behind, Pete. Fan-controlled football allowing fight. I feel like just a natural next step. Yeah, although as a natural next step, it feels more like a, a natural uh, return to like the gladiator days where the fans <laughs> are controlling the people who go into the Coliseum and fight each other. I don't, I don't know how far we want to revert back to, uh, you know, being barbarics. Great point. We should kill the losing team <laughs> every single time that happens. Tough to staff up a league, though, if you yeah. do that every week. Yeah. Yeah. As Robert says, uh, it's certainly grandfathered in because I can't imagine a new set of NHL bylaws uh, would ever be able to include that. All right. So we had to talk about that one so bad that I skipped all the plugs on top. So make sure you go over to footballoutsiders.com today. If you want to subscribe, we're still doing packages over at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. But really more than anything, I'd recommend checking out some of the articles on there. Pete on Friday talked about our USFL previews going on with our guy, Brian Knowles, who's really digging as deep as anybody out there just to find something to talk about the USFL, some interesting tidbits that could help you guys make some decisions when you are building lineups or placing bets on there. We are covering the offseason as well for the NFL in about as much depth as you can possibly find out there. So go to outsiders go check them out just click around on some articles have a good time get that page view count up that's what would bring me joy and also make sure you are subscribed to peach channel subscribe to the splash play channel as well we're having some meetings this week trying to figure out how we can make improvements there that'll help keep the community going here on peach channel while also starting to extend a little bit further with what we're doing with splash play so please just get in there now go subscribe on youtube and make sure you are subscribed to peach channel as well if for some reason you are not and hit the like button on both versions of the video as well it helps us out a bunch to get there and actually pete i don't know if you know this because we didn't talk about it 
We actually had our most viewed reel ever on Instagram over the weekend. And you want to guess what segment, actually you should know, I think, but you want to guess what segment it was that was popping off a little bit as a reel. Yes, it was probably one that I refused to retweet us speculating about Kay Adams and CJ Uzoma. It was, in fact, that people, the people demand more Kay Adams content. It's honestly weird because Kay Adams, like, is a very, you know, prominent personality within football. She's on Good Morning Football and NFL Network every day. So, like, there's a lot of gifts out there. I know I saw at one point on Reddit, there was one of her, like, smacking a ruler that people were, like, creaming themselves over because, of course, you know, sexualized women left and right. That's what we do on Reddit. But I would say, like, overall, Pete, like, it's surprising to me the lack of Giffy's that are out there of K Adams. Like I went to Giffy search to just sort of try to find something to throw in there. The only Giffy I could find of K Adams is her dabbing, which like, you know, fine, I guess. But I was just surprised that there was not like the moon has not been covered with K Adams content in a way that maybe that's what made that real spike is people were like, finally, there's somebody out there brave enough to talk about how attractive this female personality on a football telecast is. I can't believe your follow-up to this. I thought you were going to talk about something with Instagram stories, and it was about how you can't find gifts of her uh, on there. I will say um, there's there's an art to getting those gifts uh, searchable um, mm. with some of the sites and the way it works with the tagging, and then they have to be used X amount of time. So maybe her fan base just isn't savvy enough to be you know publicly uploading those and uh, you know optimizing them from a GTO standpoint. Yeah, maybe there are too many boomers who are fans of K Adams. I don't know. Prove me wrong out there. Get some good K Adams gifts in the mix. And uh, I don't know, maybe make for better reels now that we know that uh, really this show has really been a long con just to make it a K Adams fan podcast, I'm sure is what we're pushing towards. But Pete, it is time here where we need to dig into some NFL news. There's one item that I guess two items we talked about that we teased up top. I feel like we got to hit on the Ronald Jones one first because it's actually a player news item. Ronald Jones officially signs with Kansas City. It was rumored on Friday, um, ended up being a thing that was real. And we know this is going to be something that affects that backfield. Darrell Williams, CEH, have been getting their share of work. Jarek McKinnon came on strong in the playoffs last year as well as leading into the playoffs. And this spot overall, a little bit murky, but I know some people out there that are very sharp are talking about Ronald Jones being the best pure rusher out of that backfield now. So what's your take on this? I'm sure you had one in the Fantasy Life newsletter as well, but tell the people how are you viewing Ronald Jones in Kansas City? Yeah, I mean, I think anywhere uh, other than Tampa Bay was going to be an upgrade for Ronald Jones just because there was never... There's never any upside for him. Even in the case of injuries, they were always going to bring in someone else to be the pass catching back. And so his path to success was really narrow uh, in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians uh, specifically. So to now go to one of the best offenses in the league, I think it's probably one of the best landing spots. Uh, CEH, the incumbent, has underwhelmed at every step of the way. So that doesn't seem necessarily like a big hurdle. And then on top of that, you know, Jarek McKinnon and Darrell Williams, who I think are both solid at, at what they do and provide. They're both still free agents right now. So I think there's some uncertainty with that backfield. And I think this is one of those situations where I think Ronald Jones will have a role right out of the gate, you know, getting, you know, I don't know, I would assume five to six touches a game. And then I think the contingent upside in the event of a CEH injury or him just outplaying CEH, um, I think there's some pretty big upside there. And, um, you know, there was a couple off seasons ago where, you know, Ronald Jones was very publicly working on his pass catching chops and stuff like that. I think there's also the risk that certain teams pigeonhole you into a role. And so who knows, maybe the chiefs aren't willing to pigeonhole him as just this interior rusher. Maybe they're willing to give him a shot with a more robust, you know, workhorse role. So I don't know. I think there's lots of paths to, to upside here. And uh, I grabbed him in one of my underdog super flex drafts the other day. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to start sprinkling him in. I think he's the perfect, you know, zero RB candidate this year. Yeah, far be it from me to throw a USC alum under the bus after I made Pete draft Sam Darnold on Friday's show. Uh, but I do feel like that seeing Ronald Jones in a nice spot, I don't have the confidence that he's going to for sure seize this role. I think it's going to, if anything, lead to more competition with CEH. And maybe CEH finally becomes the back that he was in his first game ever and probably never in a game after that. But I feel like with Ronald Jones overall, like I think you got to love the upside here, the potential for him to land in that role. And I'd agree with you. Like I guess the question I would have, because you are definitely more in, in team studying the ADPs and all of that, how are you feeling like his ADP goes up now? Because I think there could quickly be a point where it's a little bit too high. And, and you know, unless you're doing a slow draft like I am stuck in the big board, uh, slow draft forever. But I feel like if you're doing that, you know, super flex draft, I would worry that Ronald Jones goes a little bit too high right now. That doesn't properly reflect some of the risk profile he has of just not getting those touches the way that people are hoping he gets. Yeah, 
I mean, I think if it was a different player other than Ronald Jones, I'm trying to think if I could come up with a good example of on, on a player who might get steamed more, but people just do not like Ronald Jones. Like Ronald Jones has almost been a bit within the ship chasing universe just because he was Pat's favorite player, but he normally uh, by most people is uh, reviled as an asset. You hear tube socks say, couldn't do it with Brady in the box. He's toast. Like this reflects how most people think about Ronald Jones. But I think for people who actually look at his, you know, size speed metrics and, and see what an explosive runner he is. Um, he's always been very talented and was, you know, drafted accordingly as well coming out of that draft class. So I don't know. I, I think that it's probably less likely he gets steamed super hard just because people don't love him as a player on the flip side. People also are feeling pretty burned by CEH. So maybe there is sign of the public kind of taking sides. Hey, if I'm having to draft CEH in the sixth and seventh, or I can get Ronald Jones in the 12th and 13th, well, just give me Ronald Jones. So I guess it'll depend ultimately how people feel about CEH because you could spin it both ways, right? You could say, oh, it's Ronald Jones. So now CEH has even less of a threat to take his job. So I could see that going either way. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And also, are are my breaking up for you, or are you just breaking up? Because I'm not sure if that's if it's my Wi-Fi. I, I didn't. I haven't. You haven't broke up for me. Okay, cool. So all right. So yeah, it was just got a little bit robot-y, but for not not too bad there. Um, I just wasn't sure if it's my Wi-Fi being wonky here for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I would say uh, for me, like I think with Ronald Jones, the issue is probably more in that Tampa Bay situation. Like he's uh, like numerically, uh, like if you were to look at some of the grades out there, like he's always been a decent pass protector. So I think the the ding on him that he was kind of not as good of a pass protector, and that's why they went with more Fournette. Out there, it's certainly the guy who's running more routes overall was being used that pass catching back. Same thing for Geo for stretches. But I think you come in with a clean slate and the, the chance to kind of earn your way back and not deal with some of those dings that he had getting a lot of run as a rookie. Like that's the kind of stuff that, you know, NFL wise, like as a coach, they hold those crosses to bear forever. Whereas you go to a new spot, they're bringing you in with some equity, you know, some contract money behind it. They give you a chance that maybe you wouldn't have gotten in your previous spot. So I agree with you overall. Like it's a better, it's an upgrade for Ronald Jones for sure. I would still take the lower ADP between him and CEH like if you're seeing Jones go early and CEH hangs on around I'd probably go CEH's way but overall potential there for Ronald Jones to finally live up to the potential a lot of people wanted for him and Pete some rumors I talked about earlier the New England area media and again boots to the ground Pete I'm sure you're hearing this debated a lot but Dale Arnold a stalwart of I think WEI out there or at least one of the networks um they're all the same to me honestly I've never really listened but I know these guys exist I uh, was saying he heard that Tom Brady was forcing his way south to Miami Miami head coach Mike McDaniel actually had to deny it in a press conference said that was fake news uh, but there were rumors as well that Brady had perhaps wanted to go to Miami and then backed off of it because of the Brian Flores situation the lawsuits uh, that were going on around that his unfair treatment relative to his head coaching job for Miami but do you think there's any smoke here Pete and I guess I'll ask you the question if you had to give it a percentage what chance is there that Tom Brady let's not even say Miami that he just isn't playing in Tampa Bay this year in Tampa Bay this year I think it has to be pretty low I would say like a sub five percent chance um yeah, I mean, but I, yeah, as far as that rumor, I mean, I remember that rumor back at the time, and I feel like we've seen enough breadcrumbs to confirm that there was some interest there. I mean, we know from the Brian Flores, you know, lawsuit that the owner was hoping he would go tamper with talking with Tom Brady, which would have actually have put Flores in risk of a fine. So I feel like we have enough dots to connect that there was some interest level there. Um, how close it was to happening, though, I think could probably be debated. Yeah, I would say if you're Mike McDaniel, it's it would also be kind of a bad look to come in and tell Tua, like, I'm going to get the most out of you and I'm going to do everything I can for you. And then you bring in Tom Brady, you know, and then you have to assume he knows on some level and wouldn't pull, put his full ass out there to that extent. At the same token, though, if you're the Dolphins and you can get to Tom Brady, he wants to force his way out and he maybe isn't seeing the solve that he hoped for with Bruce Arians or whatever discord that they had last year. I think there's still a chance it happened. So I would probably go closer to a 10% chance instead of 5%. But I think we're just kind of uh, really dealing with a very microscopic potential here for something to happen and really unlikely one. But if he does go back there, that uh, Belichick Brady slap, I think goes up a few more uh, potential odds there. And one other news item, Pete, and you might, you might have a few others that I might've missed in terms of free agency signings that happened over the weekend, but the lions going to be the hard knocks team this yeah. year. Um, I have one prediction. A, I think Dan Campbell, the America is going to fall in love with Dan Campbell, at least as meme content, maybe not, in terms of his coaching aptitude, though I would point out he did go for it on fourth downs at a rate last year that showed he might be a smarter coach than people would realize, just embracing that volatility, embracing the aggressiveness that we talk about a lot in my day job at Edge Sports. But how are you feeling about the Lions being the hard knocks team? I feel like you could literally put any team in there. People will watch it just because it gives you that sort of foreplay for football that everybody's looking for. 
Yeah, I, I do agree that Dan Campbell should, he'll probably end up being the star of Hard Knocks just because of the sound bites we'll get and him in full on hard O mode. Um, so I'm sure we'll get some good stuff there. On the whole, the Lions, you know, have to be one of the least exciting teams that you would actually want, you know, to peel behind the curtains during the, the, the preseason. So that's a little bit of a bummer. And in general, I think I've gotten a little jaded on Hard Knocks these past few years just because there hasn't been much to it. You know, I feel like I, I'm right now, I'm finally uh, catching up on Drive to Survive, the F1 documentary, and the way they're able to kind of mine that for all of the, the relationships and the power plays and all of the different dynamics in the sport, and then weave that into the actual races. It just made me actually wish that Hard Knocks had more meat to it from a from a narrative perspective and so i'm not hopeful uh that the, the lions will deliver on it but yeah maybe dan campbell can carry the show on his back can we talk about f1 for a second because f1 yeah. really came up on me real fast no pun intended like i didn't know that this was so big of a thing now there's f1 dfs our pal justin freeman i saw took down just shy of five figures playing f1 dfs with some of the uh, run the sims tools if you are out there looking for an edge i'll uh, go use that promo code pete over and run the sims to help yourself out with that one uh but i feel like overall like this came out of nowhere in a way where i think it's the timing too like sunday mornings that seem to be when most of the races are so like that's filling that nfl gap a little bit but overall like I don't get why F1's that popular, I guess, besides that documentary, and I haven't watched it. So I feel completely blind to this going on in a way that makes me feel out of touch. And it, that hurts me deep inside because I pride myself on being in touch. Yeah, I uh, my relationship with it is I had watched like just one and a half episodes of it a while back when people first started talking about the documentary and then we just bailed on it. I just didn't quite get hooked. And then with the announcement with F1 DFS and everyone talking about it again uh, and just seeing how obsessed people were. I know my other kind of canary in the coal mine was Ben Gretsch with his Omni Fantasy. He was forced to add F1 because the chorus of people saying you have to add this was so strong. So I was like, the storytelling on this must be incredible because I really don't think it was just everyone following in love with the sport of F1 and not realizing that Formula One was some great thing. Like the reason this interest is here is because the storytelling on that documentary series is so good. Like the sport itself is fine, but it's the way the dynamics, the way there's two drivers on each team and how there's this competition between the drivers within their team themselves, much less within the organization. And there's so much money at play and all of this other drama that they, they just tell the story so well. So I give massive credit to, I know Formula One paired up um, to produce that with Netflix, but I don't know who's kind of behind the scenes there with laying out that show and the narrative work that's done. But man, probably the best piece of sports marketing you'll ever see. Yeah, cars make for really good visuals. I feel like that's why you always see the racing game as part of like the new Xbox console or new PlayStation console they have there, stuff they go out to show, you know, the graphics and it looks beautiful and all of that. But I do think like overall, like if I were the USFL, you know, and, and, and candidly, like I've talked to the USFL, we've had a few meetings with them with my day job and like they see them like they're doing a lot of interesting stuff. But I think if you were a new league, besides, you know, letting the players fight to the death, I suppose, with, as we pitched earlier, would just be really covering it in a reality TV fashion that like lets people invest in these characters. Like if you combine this F1 thing or like a last chance you with like an upstart football league, like that starts to feel real to me. And I think, you know, DFS is great. I think that you all should have DFS. They should all have betting. They should all be heavily invested in those markets and making sure that you have good data to feel good about as well as a news flow. But I think that's like a part that if you want to reach the mainstreams, it just takes, you know, having that push and getting there and, and it can happen so fast. Like F1's obviously been popular in other countries for years and years and years, but all it takes is us Americans being like, Oh cool. Good, nice documentary. And everybody watches it. And then, then you hear about it more and just that's the way it goes like i don't know why a league doesn't do that you should be half sports league half production company and that's like where the money is anyway it's just the tv rights and all that stuff so that's one thing that's missing to me that i'm kind of baffled that hopefully it makes people do it but i'm baffled nobody's thought of that here because f1 seems to have nailed it completely yeah and i i'm glad you mentioned last chance you because i think that's what i would want hard knocks to be and i i realize with nfl and just where the incentives lie that some of these teams and high profile players aren't willing to let you know camera crews that much into their life um but i you know you just mentioned the usfl like there's no reason that you couldn't have one player on each team you know be profiled through an eight episode mini series 
you know, following like what's their back history? How did they get signed? What's it like practicing some behind the scenes stuff? And because all it takes for any of this stuff, the reason people are watching F1 now is because they inv feel invested in knowing those characters from that show. And that would happen with the USFL as well. And I, even when I watch Hard Knocks with Lauren, you know, she'll often ask about the guy that ends up getting cut because she got to know him during the show. So it's like, if you can get people to invest in those storylines and those characters, um, you can bring in eyeballs to the sport itself. So yeah, I, I think these upstart organizations uh, should be just way leaning into the storytelling because that's all they ultimately have uh, to really bring in new people. Yeah, I think that's it. And you could get behind people. You can sort of myth build and, and ultimately would drive CV ratings a star power. Like, yeah, sports and good games is going to be an important part. But if you have if you build these guys up into superstars or even like, you know, influencer level superstars where they have these compelling stories, and you know, there's a lot of good stories too with the USFL, like guys who probably are leaving their full time job or or even taking a leave of absence just to have a shot at their, you know, reclaiming football glory. Um, or just guys who are like fun and they're going to be more fun in this league because the defense won't be quite as good. There's a lot of ways they could do it, you know, in an interesting way. So that'd be my suggestion out there uh, for any leagues that might be listening. And maybe the XFL will be the one that does it with the rock and his uh, production company. But I think that's going to be something where this F one part is going to lead to some trends. And Dagus max in the chat saying next time Spag is a kid, we got to put uh we got to pump racquetball DFS. I will say then Pete, uh, this one might be on you for having a child next because I don't think I will ever have another one. <laughs> I think we've seen enough here, Varina. Varina won't slip and pass the goalie once more. <laughs> I always wonder how that trajectory works for people uh, when they're deciding on their second kid. <laughs> it's like now's probably not the time to ask you whether you plan on having a second kid because it sounds like you, uh, I know the answer as of right now. I mean, the thing is like, so this is a weird part. And I think the parents will know this out there. Like the mom's brain erases like over the course of this period, like they forget like how terrible it was and how much they hated pregnancy. And then like the hormones kick in and they're like, yeah, like Alex has told me like, I miss being pregnant. I'm like, I was fucking with you all of those 10 months. And I could tell you, you were not missing being pregnant at all. And like, yeah, like I still would like to have a little girl. I think that'd be cute if it's a little boy, you know, if, like I got that already. I got, I got one of those. I don't need two of those, uh, but a little girl would be nice to have. I just don't think it's worth the risk profile. And I don't think it's worth Alex suffering. And then we're, and then being like, Oh, I, I knew I shouldn't do it. It's like, fuck you. You, you, but you're the one that backed off here. So I won't back off. And if, if it does happen, Peter, it'll be me being roped in. And then I don't know, maybe having my, my semen stolen overnight into my sleep. <laughs> the classic spags almost yeah. about to stick the landing. And then we have a sharp turn. I was just going to say the way you come around is, you know, the engagement dries up a bit. Luke is not pulling in quite the page views he was before. And you're like, look to Alex. And you're like, all right, we need another one of these guys for the gram. Yeah. One more crack at the wheel here. And they could do a kid podcast together. And then <laughs> that's the thing we'll do child splash play with my kids and Pete Pete's kids. And then we'll all that's, that's how we really, that's generational wealth. Pete is the content generational wealth. I would never let my future kids hang out with your kids. That seems like too much of a liability. They're going to come home saying filthy words. And, uh, oh, Uncle Spags taught me that one. I was like, I bet he did. I am vaguely concerned that Luca's one of his first words will be an F-bomb because I'm not, like, I'm trying to pare it down a little bit. But, you know, like, look, you got to, you got to talk how you talk. Kids need to adjust. They need to know that's a daddy word. That's not a Luca word. That's what we have to get the yeah. kids I don't, I don't meet, need uh, my two-year-old, you know, searching Kay Adams gifts on uh, his <laughs> iPad. All right. <laughs> I, well, I won't, I won't go any further for the sake of you. FF doom though, summing it up. Well, ouch. That is in fact quite a big ouch. Pete, Pete, my closest friend who doesn't want to be my friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, you weren't necessarily Russian to ask me to be Luca's godfather either. So I feel like we're, we're in good shape. Well, well, Pete, I gave it to one of my best friends from high school who was in fact a man of color. So I think it's rude of you to even, to even attempt to impugn upon that. I hate that the way you framed it as as if wokeness was your number one goal in assigning Lucas Godfather. God damn it, Spags. It's one of my buddies. I think it's important. Representation is important. Speaking of, uh, actually, uh, no other NFL free to see items, right? <laughs> you beat that way. Wait, hang on. So were you guys really sitting around and being like, Men of color are underrepresented in the white godfather sphere, and we are setting out to rectify this. No, it's more like I feel the area of outside of Philadelphia, the suburbs that we're in, not enough people of color for me who grew up in the South Bronx and I think added a lot of important lessons to me and my growth process, despite the fact that I probably wore FUBU longer than I should have as a teen growing up. But I would say, like, I think it's important for him to know that there's more than just a bunch of fucking white people around. So, so that was more and not, but I guess, you know, maybe in Godfathers as well. It's important. Representation is very important. Um, 
Uh, Legible says, sup, party people, Monday. Um, yeah, we wonder what's going on. We're once again on a fantasy football podcast navigating very difficult societal issues. So uh, it would be a splash play without that. And we're going to fix them all one godfather at a time. <laughs> that's, the, that's what we're doing. But let's think it's the thing we meant to do because we wanted to talk some uh, division winners here. And this is one that, Pete, I'm not sure how we can do the way that I would like to because I think it'd be fun if we both did guess the lines. I didn't do this like the Bill Simmons way where like Cousin Sal, I think, gathers them up in advance. And also I have some I have some doubts that Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal are actually living up to the, the, the title of that one. I feel like they're cheating from time to time. But we do want to check in on these teams and see where their offseason uh, futures odds are, especially for division winners, because that tends to be the best barometer of you know a team's movements, uh, the just smaller pool to compete for rather than Super Bowl odds or, or even conference winner odds. But I feel like we can go one by one here, Pete. And do you want to guess the lines or should do you, should I try to guess the lines and not like look at the things? I won't cheat, but it's just hard because they're literally all right here on the page. Well, why don't I think I should be the one to guess because I made sure not to look and I am legitimately confused or not confused. I just don't have a good read on what the AFC West ones are in particular. I have what I think the order should be, but I'm really curious if it actually matches up with uh with the betting market so however you want to do it but i i'm not uh i'm coming in blind all right so let's see you know, so we'll do it that way i'll be the shepherd here and we'll talk through it and i certainly i'll keep it honest with myself that if there's anything that surprises me we'll point that out but you did put the afc west on the thumbnail here so first of all let's talk about that one hit the like button if you can but we're going to talk about these division odds and dig into them starting with the afc west Pete, if you had to guess the order here, and I guess if you wanted to try to guess the lines themselves, you know, these are all plus money bets because that's just how this works. But if you had to guess the order, let's start there. What would it be for you in the AFC West? Yeah. So, uh, so what I, what I think it should be and what I think it is, is chiefs with the shortest odds as the favorites followed by the chargers followed by this one's so hard deciding between Broncos and Raiders. I, I think it should probably be Broncos and then Raiders. Okay, so you're close here. It is Chiefs bringing it up, though, not minus money. There actually are a couple of these that are minus money. Chiefs are plus one, well, plus plus one something, Pete. If you had to guess what the Chiefs are, plus one something, what would that be? 175. Plus 160, so you're pretty close. The Chargers, though, and Broncos are tied for number two. Uh, wow. Guess their odds. Uh, I'm going to guess they're at both. Um, plus two seventy five, plus two fifty. You're okay. You're right in the wheelhouse of these, so this is not this is not too bad. We're we're quitting ourselves well here. The last place is going to be the Vegas Raiders. What do you think their odds are? Um, I can't imagine that they're that much behind the Broncos. So I'll say plus three twenty five. They are actually much further behind, plus six hundred. Oh wow. Okay, so this mm -hmm. is the biggest. You know, things for me are the market continues to value the Broncos much higher than the chiefs. I mean, we saw the Broncos with better Super Bowl odds than the chargers, even before they got Russell Wilson. And then I guess I view the Broncos and Raiders as much closer. I do think the Devonte Adams edition and how solid Derek Carr has played. Um, I think they're going to be really solid too. And I think for the Broncos too, with Russ Wilson, like I could see kind of a, a year of figuring everything out. Um, just some big changes there where I think you could argue that the Raiders have more continuity and that Devontae Adams could kind of slide into that offense without much trouble. So do, do any of those seem off to you or do you think that it makes sense where they're all at? I would agree with you. I think the Raiders shouldn't be of half the probability. And one thing to keep in mind, if you are new to betting, you know, maybe sports betting is legal in your state for the first time. You can get in these futures markets. Um, important to remember that the odds are just a, a reflection of what a probability is or an implied probability for the bet. And it also does include the sports books are taken off the table. But like with plus 250 compared to plus 600, that's literally saying that it's double the likelihood of the Broncos or the Chargers to win the AFC West compared to the Raiders. I just don't think that's it's that high of a probability. Like I would take out of all those bets, I feel like the bet I would take would be the Raiders just to win and somehow luck box it. Like maybe they have one of those 12 and five years, 13 and four years with the new uh, longer schedule for them. The Chiefs have an injury. The Broncos don't quite gel. The Chargers, you know, we've seen the Chargers play down. Certainly Brandon Staley, you know, playing the variance game with analytics could be a thing. I think the Raiders are the best bet for that division. I do too. I mean, they, they finished 10 and seven last year. They just got one of the best wide receivers in football. Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, it, I'm sure, uh, Ricky thinks I'm, uh, 
<laughs> I was going to say, Ricky thinks I'm pandering saying uh, Raiders over Broncos, but then Ricky comes in real hot. No homerism here with Raiders, Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos. That said, I, I think what we're kind of arriving at is that this is a really close, tight division, and those odds probably shouldn't be as um, as wide of a separation as there is. All right, what division do you want to go to next? Um, You want to just stick, go to AFC South? Okay, let's go to the AFC South. We have no minus money teams here, so keep that in mind. Uh, how would you rank these four teams? Yeah, this one I feel is cut and dry. I would guess um, maybe not cut and dry. I would say now that the Colts have Matt Ryan, that they slightly edge out the Titans as the faves, followed by the Titans, then the Jags, and then the Texans still uh, bringing up the rear would be my guess. You nailed the order. What are the odds for the Colts and the Titans up top? And you are right that they are barely separated. Yeah. Um, I guess I'd say both at that. Let's just say uh, plus 160. So Colts plus 110, Titans plus 130. So both okay. like pretty decent probability for both of them, I guess, just reflecting that the, the gap between them and the Jags and the Texans. Uh, but in this spot, I feel like the Colts and Titans, you get to talk to me. I think you're probably right. Like, I feel like they both feel closer to plus 150. Like, I don't have that level of confidence in the Colts. But if you remember last year, like, the Colts were basically in, and that was with Carson Wentz. So I guess you could justify it there that they'd be plus 110, plus 130. If you wanted to guess, Pete, your, your precious Jags, LaVisca Chanel, what's he getting odds-wise to win the AFC South? Um, Like you said, I'm guessing there's a pretty big gap there. But I'll say plus 350. Plus 650. So a little bit worse than you might have. Okay. Yeah, not, not a big buy on Doug Peterson. The Texans, Pete, we are talking a gigantic fall off here. What are their chances to win the AFC South? Uh, plus 1,800? Plus 2,200. <laughs> okay. Wow. So that would be, uh, in terms of chances of them to win the AFC South, you know, DraftKings six a 4% chance. You know what? I would say uh, if I were a betting man and a futures betting man, I wouldn't mind taking stabs on Texans and Jags with the thesis being, I think the Titans and Colts aren't super strong, you know, teams as far as like their head and shoulders, the best that division feels wide open. And you have two rookie quarterbacks who showed some, I guess you can argue that Lawrence had a pretty rough year, but Davis Mills was solid. You can see those type of quarterbacks taking a second year leap, having those rookies, uh, uh, quarterbacks on that rookie contract is big for team building. So uh, I know we've all clowned on the Jags offseason stuff, but I mean, those odds on the Texans specifically, uh, I kind of like that one at, at, what did you say? Plus 2,200? Yeah, I honestly feel like taking all the like really deep dogs in terms of the divisions here might be a move that would pay off. And I don't know the confidence level and I can't run the calculations in a way that I'd feel comfortable with advocating fully. But if you had a lot of money in your sportsbook account, like or even, you know, you just want to take willing to play and let your money hold for another, you know, God, nine months, I guess. Um, I would say that, you know, taking some of these bets, the long bets here, one of them I think has a shot to win. And speaking of, let's move to AFC East, Pete. Uh, this is our first one with a minus money potential division winner. Who do you think it is? Yeah, it has to be the Bills. They're the mm. they're the Super Bowl favorite. I'm and then I'm going to guess. I, I assume after the the trade for Tyreek Dolphins, uh, I I would have guessed Dolphins and Patriots were kind of close, but I'll say Dolphins then Patriots uh, and then pretty far behind the Jets. So it is in fact the Bills are number one at minus money. How much minus money do you think they are, Pete? I bet it's like. Minus 250? Minus 190, so 66% implied probability on that one. The Dolphins and Patriots actually tie it at plus 400. Okay. That makes sense in that the Bills just have such a big gap on them. Um, yeah, I guess I was probably undervaluing the Patriots and all those things I was just saying about the rookie quarterbacks in the AFC South certainly applies to Mac Jones as well. Um, yeah, I think I would take Dolphins over Patriots and like a head-to-head -head win bet for this year, but it makes sense that their their odds are similar. And then the Jets, uh, again, a distant fourth here, and you've been nailing the rankings of these teams so far. What do you think the Jets' odds are to win the AFC East? I bet they're even worse than the Texans' odds just because it's a tougher division. I I'll say they're plus 3,000. Plus 2,500. So you were right. Worse okay. than the Texans, not quite that bad. It does seem like in terms of winning a division, the Jets are actually the lowest out of all the potential division winners. Uh, so not a lot of respect for the changes they've made, not a lot of respect for the growth of Zach Wilson. Uh, but I think I honestly wouldn't mind taking that. Plus 2,500, it does seem unlikely that they can top the Bills. But I just feel like that there's still a little bit of value on that bet, if not as much as the Texans had. Yeah.
Um, what do we have left? The AFC North? AFC North. We got the Browns, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Steelers. What is the order of those teams? Yeah, this one is fun in that I'm pretty confident Bengals are going to have the shortest odds and be the favorite. I'm pretty confident the Steelers are going to be last. Um, They have the most murky quarterback situation, even though the Browns got Deshaun Watson, just because there's uncertainty about how many games he would play. I'm going to say that the Ravens are, have the second shortest odds. And then, so it would go Bengals, Ravens, Browns, Steelers would be my guess on order. So it is in fact, Browns, Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, and this is a close one. And the Browns one, I'm a little perplexed by They must think that Watson's not going to get suspended. This is all out of whack. They have Browns over the Bengals. Yep. That's Wait, crazy. What do you think the differential is? I mean, what? Uh, now I, I don't even have a guess if, if that's the case. Maybe the is the difference just 100? So it's Browns are plus 175, Bengals plus 200, Ravens plus 225. So they're expecting a pretty close, uh, pretty close grouping there. Yeah. Which I could see the case for. It does feel like the Browns are maybe getting steamed up a little bit by by Browns betters would be my thought. Like Browns guys were like, oh yeah, like we got finally got a QB. Because like that plus 175 doesn't make the most sense to me accounting for Watson probably losing two to six games. And like it, it should be the Bengals, I would agree, by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, I, I do think that is the, these are probably not the most efficient lines just because they're not two-way markets where people can mm-hmm. short or take the opposite side of it. But man, that seems like a mistake to me. I, I would definitely like to make head-to-head bets on Bengals versus Browns to win the division and Ravens versus Browns to win the division. I'd feel pretty good about getting it in against the Browns there. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. And the Browns, again, it's, as Pete mentions there, I think that's actually a pretty good point to keep in mind that not the most efficient markets and certainly, you know, drafting sportsbook, American sportsbooks overall going to be a little less efficient than some of the international ones. So keep that in mind as we talk through this, but still a decent barometer of what to expect. Um, and then we have one more. Actually, no, we covered all the AFC divisions now. Do we want to save the NFC for another day? Because this actually did take a good amount of time. Um, I don't we know. Hit I'm it, fun with it. Let's, let's yeah, we, hit it because we'll probably draft on... Yeah. On Friday again. Yeah, yeah let's let, let's keep let's keep rolling with it. All right. So the NFC South. Let's start there. We talked about Tom Brady. Uh, this is another another minus money division, Pete. I'll give you that that little hint slash spoiler. Uh, what do you think the order is for the NFC South division odds on DraftKings Sportsbook? Yeah, this one obviously is easy with the Bucks being the big time favorites, and then I think you could probably make pretty convincing arguments to order these in any other direction, but I will guess that it goes bucks, then the saints, um, then the Panthers and then the Falcons would be bringing up the rear would be my guess. I think you've nailed all these besides the Cleveland one. It is in fact, bucks, saints, Panthers, Falcons, uh, the bucks, Pete, I think are actually, well, they might be the biggest minus money division winner overall. So clearly a buy-in here on Tom Brady being back and, and not getting traded anywhere. What do you think the bucks odds are to win the NFC South? It has to be high. Um, what, sorry, remind me what the bills were. Did you say the bills were minus minus one ninety? I bet the bucks are minus two fifty. The Bucks are minus 280, so you're right alongside that one. Um, a drop-off to the Saints, but maybe not as bad odds for the Saints as you would think. What do you think the Saints are at? I bet the Saints are, yeah, I, my what I think they should be is probably like plus 350, but how you just set that up makes me think that they're like plus 190. No, they're plus 400. So you were right the oh, first okay. time there. I just, I'm surprised here relative to these last two, the Panthers and the Falcons, both over plus 1000. The Panthers are at plus 1100 Falcons at plus 1300. And I could see that one, man. Like, and again, I don't mean to keep citing Bill Simmons as a on the show on the show today, but like, if ever there were a team, a nobody believes in us team, the Falcons adding Mariota, maybe adding another weapon in the draft. If they don't take a QB, they can add one of the elite receivers. They shouldn't be plus 1300. I think they're less rudderless than the Panthers are right now. Certainly losing Matt Ryan, not great, but like they've got stuff. I mean, the reason they're so far down there is, I mean, you can say you can look at all three of those quarterback rooms and sure you can make a case, Winston, Mariota, Darnold, but I don't think there's any given that any of those QBs I've just mentioned are for sure the week one starter, much less the week mm-hmm. 16 starter. Basically, I, I think these teams are going to be looking at the draft. I think there could be a, a lot of movement here. And so it makes sense that this is a little shuffled up. And if anything, 
I would want to short the Saints because I think they're probably on more uneven ground. I think the Saints are closer to the Falcons and Panthers than they are to the Bucks. I guess, is what I would say. Okay. I think that's a reasonable take. Uh, NFC East, we got another minus money team on top. What are your rankings for the NFC East uh, futures here, Pete? Yeah, I assume uh, the Cowboys uh, are mm-hmm. up there with a pretty healthy uh, margin. Uh, I'm going to assume, again, the Giants are last. And, you know, figuring out the Eagles in Washington is kind of interesting. Man, me as a fan, I I feel like the Eagles are going to have a better year. But my guess is the betting markets are respecting Carson Wentz slightly more than Jalen Hurts. So I'll guess it's Cowboys, Washington, Philadelphia, New York. Cowboys minus 115, Eagles plus 350, Washington plus 400. Giants plus 650, so really not that far off. They're expecting this to be, I mean, which the NFC East is a lot besides, I guess, this last year. Like, it does tend to be a little bit of a a quagmire there. These teams trading wins and being barely above 500. But I guess the Cowboys' talent loss means that this kind of flattens out a little bit. I don't hate the Giants at plus 650. I got to be honest. If if Dable comes in and does something real with them and Daniel Jones, you know, amounts to anything, they could take this division and the, the Cowboys have lost so much talent. Yeah, I, I do think the Dayball narrative is strong, but it's just, I don't know if you can fix Daniel Jones, where I still think, and maybe I'm just too far in the bag just because of DFS and his upside, but I'm still a Jalen Hurts believer. I still feel like if everything could kind of actually click around the him, maybe they get one more uh, skilled pass catcher there. I still think the Eagles have the highest ceiling of any of these non-Cowboys teams. Yeah, I would agree. And I see that we got uh, we in the chat, Sam Berman saying the Eagles plus 350 seems like a great bet. I do agree with that overall. Like, I, you know, I, you talk me into a couple of these teams, the commanders with Carson Wentz, I think I would value as the lowest out of all of them, um, you know, just in terms of what the bet odds are right now. But Dable taking a jump and making Daniel Jones take a jump, that entire team, you know, basically running their bootleg version of what Buffalo did, I think is interesting. But the Eagles, like we saw them really lean in on Jalen Hurts and figure out what to do with him and mitigate that risk. Maybe they open the playbook up a little bit more, but still in a way that's conservative enough to not open them up to the bad parts of Jalen Hurts. There's a lot of pathways here, I think, for the Eagles to win. So I think the Giants are my favorite bet, but I think the Eagles actually winning the division, probably a higher likelihood than it would seem. Um, NFC West, I'm not going to spoil anything for this one for you, Pete. Um, what do you think these, these rankings are and what are the odds for the number one team? Yeah, this one, I feel again, a similar pattern emerging where I feel pretty confident the Rams are the favorite by a good amount and have the shortest odds. And I feel very confident that the Seahawks have the worst odds. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, man, public sentiment was just so low on the Cardinals to finish the season. Um, that I, I really think that the betting markets, I think they're going to be super close, uh, Cardinals and Niners. I'll say Niners have just slightly shorter odds as the second favorite in that conference or division. Do you think the Rams are minus money or plus money? I think they're barely minus money. So the Rams are plus 150, which surprises okay. me a good amount here. I guess maybe some questions about Al Robinson being the fill-in for the guys they've lost. The Niners are number two at plus 180. So they are not far off at all. And then the Cardinals are number three at plus 300. So within range, I think I think your all your takes about the Cardinals are spot on. The Rams and Niners are basically like a coin toss, it looks like. And I could see that one, but it, it kind of feels like the Niners are maybe a little bit overvalued would be my thought. That was my thought too. Trust me. Uh, I want Trey Lance to be a thing more than anyone else in the world, but it almost feels like we're just baking in this assumption that he is going to be what we want him to be. And we still need a lot more information to know that's the case where it's like, I know what Kyler Murray is. I know what he can bring. I feel like it's more of a schematic thing as far as playing to his strengths. Uh, I, I blame more of their woes on, you know, Kingsbury and how he's, you know, handled the offense. So yeah, when you ran through those, to me, I thought like there's a little meat on the bone on the Rams there. I'm, I'm surprised that they aren't minus money. And then I would definitely be looking to bet the Cardinals as kind of my preferred, you know, I guess, quote unquote, dark horse uh, winner of the division. Yeah, I think it's an interesting division there overall. And I, I would probably, I guess, out of all these bets, I would take the Rams, I think, overall, just because they are plus money and it feels like they are uh, closer to a minus money team. Um, but I do think, you know, as people are saying in the chat, Max saying in the chat, uh, the Cardinals, uh, good shot to start 8-0 and, and crash as they always do. 
I don't even know if they have that eight and no starting them this year. Like, I feel like there's so much disharmony. It seems like Kyler might not even be getting paid this off season, which is not great. I feel like they could be in for a season from hell next year where they actually like, look, I don't like the Seahawks at plus 1400 either, but I think the Cardinals plus 300 with the value you're not getting there. I think that might be the worst bet in the division. Yeah. I think I'm a little uh, less um, bearish on them as you. I still think the talents there. I think Kyler is a top, NFL quarterback. And I do think it's more like tweaking some things around, um, than, you know, really having to blow things up. So I, I still have faith, uh, that the Cardinals can, can be a strong team. And our last division to cover here, and we're going to check in on these a few times throughout the year, but obviously going to be uh, one of the more fertile times right now with all the offseason moves NFC North. So I don't want to spoil this one for you either. Uh, what are, what are your rankings here? And what do you think the number one team's odds are? So this is going to be a heat check for me because I feel like this one is very cut and dry um, It from how I think they're going to be. Now, I actually think the Packers and Vikings should be closer than I'm guessing they are, but my guess is it's Packers in a tier of their own, Vikings in a tier of their own, Bears in a tier of their own, Lions in a tier of their own. Okay, do you? I will give you that you are correct about that. So what are the Packers' odds? I will guess that... Because the reason when we were looking at Super Bowl odds a few weeks ago, and it was still, or it was right after the Adams trade, and it was blowing my mind that they were still top five to win the Super Bowl. So my guess is that they're minus 200 to win this division just based on how confident they were. You are you are very good at this game. I Minus 175 for the Packers. What are the Vikings at as a number two team? Right, and I think that they should be I think they should be at like plus 100, plus 125. My guess is that the betting markets are down on them and they're at like plus 325. Oh, you were so close. Plus 275 for the Vikings. The Bears then bringing up the third place spot plus 800. And the Lions, the hard knocks team, Pete, next year. What do you think their odds are to win the NFC North? They got to be in that Texans uh, range there. I'll, I'll say plus 2,600. Plus 1,200. So, oh, wow. Where's this <laughs> bullishness for the Lions? I mean, it makes for a better hard knocks, you would hope, but a, definitely a buy-in there. I think maybe a, a little bit of a pricing discount on the chance that the Packers fall apart uh, without Devontae Adams. And maybe, you know, Aaron Rodgers does some of his weird nonsense, and that's how that goes. But plus 1,200 feels like that, to me, kind of screams like the Lions could be close to a 500 team, according to the odds, which I don't know that I'm buying into that, but I like the potential, especially, you know, for Josh Reynolds, who's coming back on a two-year deal. <laughs> Yeah, part of me is like, I wish, like if I were getting Texans level odds on them, I feel like that would be a good bet just because of how down I am on the Packers. I do think if I were to make a single bet, it would be on the Vikings at that money just because I do think the continuity they're going to have um, and they've already, they play shootouts with the Packers. Like they, they, they hang with them. And now the Packers, I, I just think the Packers are so overvalued right now in that the market is underweighting Devonte Adams impact on this team in this offense. I think it's massive and I think they're really going to struggle without him. Yeah. I think overall the, a lot of this, this off season stuff has both cemented the importance of pass catchers while kind of shitting on uh, the importance of them at the same time. And I don't know what they do for a number one receiver. Who's going to be as efficient as Devonte Adams were and both GA and Silas making some good points in the chat. GA saying the lions are a hard knocks buff. Yeah. That probably makes them a more public team. They would be otherwise. And Silas saying, could be an interesting little Pythagorean uh, theorem play here with the win-loss totals, but the Lions had a ton of one-score losses, so I guess you can make the case that the Lions were better than we thought, which seems crazy to say, Pete, given the utter lack of talent they had, but we talked about Dan Campbell like even earlier in the show. He didn't do a bad job, especially when you consider what the persona of Dan Campbell is, which is basically a human monster energy drink. Yeah, I mean, what we really need is we need the Packers quarterback and the Lions uh, pass catchers. You know, I, I, I mean, getting DJ Chark and TJ Hawkinson with Aaron Rodgers, now, and now we're starting to cook. Yeah, so there we go. Hopefully that was an interesting run through this for you guys out there, and we'll check in on it later on in the offseason, I'm sure. Or really, whenever we have a show slow, a slow show schedule, Pete, we might touch on these features one more time. But I enjoy checking in on these, and I feel like it is an interesting insight into what everybody's viewing about these teams right now and uh, some surprises out there besides, I guess, the Texans, which is not a surprise to anybody at all. Pete, what are your plugs here? What's coming up for you show-wise this week other than us coming back on Friday and doing a splash play with a best ball draft at 2.30 Eastern? Yeah, just got the uh, the normal schedule this week. You know, Club Top Shot on Tuesday. Brian and I doing lulls on uh, Wednesday afternoons now. We got ship chasing Wednesday evenings. Um, and then, yeah, Splash Play 
back on uh, Friday. We'll get those drafts going. I'm uh, I've been slowly entering more of the slow super flex drafts on underdog. And, uh, you know, I'm just feeling that slow crawl until uh, the NFL draft. And then I'm just spending every waking minute uh, drafting best ball team. So I'm, I'm enjoying uh, the process. I have to say, I don't love the slow ones because of the fact that I could feel some people milking the clock in the hopes they get information during that time period. And it's like, look, I get you can't get to it right away. But like, I feel like in a slow draft, there should just be like a, a handshake agreement, a gentleman's agreement or a gentle ladies agreement with everybody who's in those drafts. So just get it done when you get a chance. Like, don't wait. Don't milk the entire eight hours because I don't feel like I should be in this draft that I've been in now for a month, Pete. <laughs> Yeah, I, I am sympathetic to that. I never sit on the clock. That's like, it's just when I get a notification or I wake up and I'm on the clock, I make my pick. Um, I think people doing that, uh, I appreciate the hustle. I appreciate the edge grinding. And I do agree there's probably a, a minuscule edge in doing that. But uh, I think it's pretty much completely worthless in the aggregate. And if you're just upsetting your league mates and- you know, as a, an ambassador of slow draft nation, I'm trying to bring more people into the slow draft fold. And it's people that sit on the clock that make my job as head of PR for slow draft nation, very difficult because I don't know what to say to people like you that are like some guy sitting on my clock, trying to get one little piece of Jarek McKinnon free agency news before he makes his pick. And I, I am sympathetic to that. Yeah, it is it's not my favorite, but still a lot of fun playing on Underdog as always. And we'll be back on Friday doing that best ball super flex draft on Underdog. So get in there now. Use the promo code SPLASH, double your deposit up to $100 over on Underdog. Also, make sure that you're going over to Football Outsiders again. You don't have to subscribe right now, but it'd be great if you did. We'll have some interesting USFL stuff coming up. Just check the news here. A lot of interesting articles, a lot of interesting uh, kind of listicle type articles where they're bringing the Football Outsiders analytics into kind of, you know, the content, biteable kind of content, snackable content is what we call it, uh, in a way that I'm happy with what they're doing i think you guys will be too and you'll definitely get a little bit of an edge of an information uh, analysis here overload over the next few months and weeks uh, so make sure you are going over to football outsiders and checking that out subscribe to the peach channel subscribe to the splash play channel again lots of exciting stuff coming to both those things in the coming weeks and months we'll see you guys again on friday so enjoy your weeks and bye